Welcome to Householders, a conversation about American life as Zen practice. I'm Inga Annie Wade. And I'm Kyosaku John Mitchell, and we're lay members of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center. I am about to start a full-time position at the company I am working at. Congratulations. And I'm very excited about it. I, I really am. I am a disabled person, as I've talked to about in length on this show. And balancing, I have to balance a lot of things just to have a regular uh, not work life. <laughs> uh, so I know that it is going to be tough um, starting a full-time position uh, because I'm going to have to fit a lot of things in one day. I do anyway, but I, I will have to, like, on my lunch break, do a 30-minute workout um, as well as as well as well eat healthy, prep food in the evening, and getting, getting enough sleep, things like that. So on top of that, I think it's also very crucial that I finally get to a more a more strict meditation schedule. So it's interesting because we're kind of at a crossroads where you're like, maybe you should be less strict with your schedule. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to survive if I am not strict enough with my schedule mm-hmm. uh, this time around. <laughs> well, it always ebbs and flows, right? Yeah. And within one person's life, but also just like the this is the difference between the monastery and householder life is that the monastery regiments the same thing for everyone. And in householder life, we all have completely different lives and we have to somehow adapt that practice to every individual case uh, and every individual case within our own life. And they change all the time. I mean, I would honestly love to like just live at a monastery. Maybe I say that now, maybe I really wouldn't, but I love the idea of living at a monastery and yes, just <laughs> meditating all the time. Uh, but that isn't what my life is like. And things are definitely about to change. But, you know, I with with my anxiety and with my health issues, which they're kind of intertwined. I, a lot of mm-hmm. my anxiety comes from my health issues. <laughs> I, I think it's an important now that I that I create a schedule and I stick to it. And I want to do what you were talking about before by like creating it as a habit that would be similar to brushing your teeth at night. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, maybe what better way to do that than actually put it into my nighttime routine where I'm doing all these routine activities anyway, just integrated into those. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually I read at night and I think that I can replace that with meditation instead because i don't know i mean the time has to come from somewhere so mm-hmm. I, I can't make new time so i'm just gonna have to rearrange everything i wasn't reading anything important anyways i'd like to th- <laughs> i'd like to say that i was reading dharma or some sort of buddhist teachings but i i wasn't so mm-hmm. <laughs> i was reading comic books because yeah. <laughs> that's what i enjoy Enjoying things is good. Yeah. Well, I, I started it last night. So I, I was meditating ah. at bedtime um, and something popped into my head while meditating. Maybe I held on to it a little bit, but here it is. I want to 
do the the heart sutra chant in the mornings mm-hmm. uh, to start my day and then uh, you know maybe if I could have a short meditation in the mornings that would be awesome but I'm usually very very tired in the morning so I'm gonna guess that my best bet is to do the meditations at night and mm-hmm. the chanting in the morning to kind of have uh, that integrated into it I would do the chanting at night but I don't think my roommates would like that very much uh-huh. <laughs> The constraints on the practice at various times of day are many and various. Yes. So I think like at least it's in the morning and if everybody's awake, then it's not, it's like, well, you know what? I just, I just got to do this. So it's part of my religious practice. But I think also bringing some of the rituals from the Zendo into my house will make it feel more communal maybe, or maybe it'll just, make it feel more i don't want to say legit but mm-hmm. <laughs> it will conjure up the same feelings as the, that i feel in the zendo and maybe that'll like help support the practice a little bit more just mm-hmm. feeling this connection between uh the zendo and and my home also this past sunday i i did tune in for a, a dharma talk yeah i was so happy to see you <laughs> so uh, that could also be part of integrating my practice in there, just having more of these things going on. It's It's been really hard for me since the pandemic to feel a part of these Zen activities. And also like just, just being on Zoom all day for like work stuff and school stuff. It was just like by Sunday, I'm like, I would just not use technology at all during the weekend. Even if uh-huh. I had something to do, if someone wanted me to make a logo for them, I'm like, I don't want to do this. It's going to have to fit in the week because once, once Saturday and Sunday rolls around, I don't want to look at technology at all. Yep. Kind of makes me feeling. feel uncomfortable. But then again, we're getting, we're getting uh, vaccinated. So going back to the Zendo might be a thing here mm-hmm. pretty soon. So there's that. And that, that's what I've been thinking about. I have to, I'm, I'm really going to like write all this down. Like th- at this time you do this thing and at this time you do this thing. Not, not to like be like, get, get mad at myself. If I don't stick with the schedule, but I think uh-huh. having a rigorous schedule of things is going to be really helpful for me managing all the things that I need to do to be like a normal person mm-hmm. who's not disabled. Do you typically manage things like that, like with a schedule that's that's, you know, not fixed necessarily, but like has has sort of like timelines? Is that a way of organizing your life that you tend to use? Yes. I mean, whenever anybody says, oh, can you do this for me? I'm like, when do you want it done by? Mm -hmm. That's a really important question for me because I need to know how much to do at one point and, Mm -hmm. you know, fit into my schedule. Uh, I mean, what it usually starts out off is, is that like, I will be really, really strict in the beginning and kind of stick with it. And then I will continue to do those things like as if they're a habit, but they won't be, I won't be like super strict about it. So if I skip a day or if I do it at a different time one day, it's not that big of a deal. It was just more Mm -hmm. about getting into the habit of it and making sure that I'm integrating all the things that I need to be putting in. Like same with like when I'm I'm making a diet for my own health reasons and like, okay, like here, you know, 
we're going to plan out all these meals and uh, I'll do that for a few weeks and really put in the research. But then once I get used to doing that, I don't have to like be as strict with everything because Hmm. I'm just going to do it anyway. You have a lot of experience with sort of inculcating healthy habits and practices into your life. And that is a huge asset for a meditation practice. I think that that's like the hardest thing that, that, that for most people about, making it into a normal everyday habit is that, you know, they, they're used to just sort of freedom all the time. Yeah. And, and, and making changes is really hard in that kind of environment, but you know, out of necessity, you've, you've come up with lots of ways to, to train, to train yourself. Well, like I, that kind of thing. I, I get it though. I get why people would be just like deterred from putting one more thing on their schedule mm-hmm. because, I don't even feel like I have a lot of responsibilities. You know, I don't have two kids like you. No one's really like relying on me for like anything that important. Um, <laughs> You're relying on yourself for a lot. of Yes, I'm a lot so. of relying on myself. So that's where where all that comes from is just like having to be a reliable person for myself and other people too, because I don't want to be so stressed out that I'm causing problems with my close friendships and other Mm -hmm. relationships because Mm -hmm. that could happen. I mean, if you don't regulate yourself, it'll come out one way or another. Right. uh, As I, as I always find I'll either get sick or I'll get really anxious. And one of the two, Mm -hmm. it could be both. (laughs) My immune system, you know, is reactive to stress as Mm -hmm. with most people with autoimmune disorders. Um, it's always directly related to stress, which ha- that's why I just think having like a meditation routine is really, really important, especially for people with something like me, like an autoimmune disorder. But it, it doesn't have to be an autoimmune disorder because honestly, like if I'm stressed, my joints hurt more too. And I don't know why that happens, but hmm. it just does. So something, something inflammation. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, look, the doctors don't know, so it's not like yeah. any, anybody really knows why, but something about inflammation, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be the most mysterious and <laughs> the, like the, the problem, the health problem that's the most pervasive, <laughs> it, like da- like important, urgent, and uh, mysterious in it's, all of Western medicine. Exactly. It sounds so, so new agey. It doesn't sound like something that would actually be in like Western medicine. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. They 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 could do blood works to indicate whether you have inflammation. But what is what's inflammation really? I mean, mm-hmm. it's just why is it even there? What is it doing? And I know it has something to do with my immune system. I mm-hmm. I don't know. So yeah, reducing inflammation is basically what I'm doing with this meditation practice and eating healthy and exercising and getting to sleep on time because the one I don't do those things. It sucks. Can you can you talk a little bit about your experience of the relationship between zazen and stress? And and I mean, I talked about it my, in my own experience a little bit last time. And I, I actually feel like it's really kind of a highly personal thing, like the way that zazen interacts with 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 stress and with one's own personal stress response. And like so many forms of meditation, especially the more kind of clinical ones, uh, the Western, the ones developed in the West, you know, derived from Buddhist ideas are explicitly designed to reduce certain physiological stress responses. 
And you mean like mindfulness-based stress reduction is the name of the most sort of celebrated of those techniques. Mm. And so, you know, so many kind of focused mental forms of meditation seem to be about reducing stress. It's the same for the sort of guided meditation apps that everybody's so into. But Zazen being so undirected, you know, I feel like it's got a it's got a strange and interesting relationship to it. And I I feel like it varies a lot from person to person. So how how is that? How is Zen practice and stress been related in your life? I'll tell you, sometimes it can actually make you feel more stressed out Mm. uh, at first because this is what I was talking to my friend about today because she was saying like, oh, like I've been meditating, but I've it's kind of making me like emotional. I'm like, yeah, that that can definitely happen <laughs> because you're really facing things that you're spending some time with yourself when, you know, you might be like so distracted during the day that you don't have time to even think about those things. Well, you don't actually have to think about them. That's the funny thing. You don't have to think about them for them to to bother you or for them to come up during meditation oh, <laughs> at all. Sure. Uh, but somehow, a lot of times, you know, you know what what it is. But even mm-hmm. if you didn't actually think those words in your head, and if you're not doing it regularly, then yeah, though they that can come up when you're meditating. I think that's a barrier to a lot of people. Like, oh, I don't want to mm-hmm. meditate because it's like it kind of makes you feel bad at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the cool thing about it from my experience anyway, is that the more I meditate, I'm dealing with all those things regularly so they never build up on top of each other. Mm -hmm. I think that when you're super stressed and you have a lot of things going on, you actually ignore a lot of of the problems that you're facing emotionally. And I think this pandemic experience has been the pinnacle of people not dealing with Mm. the problems that are around them even if they don't have anything to do i think everyone's been distracting themselves because there was nothing that they could actually do about the situation that they were in uh, except for maybe meditate about it but that that's still hard to face when you're in the middle Mm -hmm. of it sometimes Mm -hmm. you can't face those things until you're out out of it you know you don't have to deal with it anymore so now or i'm not like in the middle of the pandemic anymore so now I've noticed like there was a period of time, I think for at least a month where I was recovering from it emotionally because I hadn't been really dealing with all the stress from the pandemic on the level that I should have been just by, which is meditating can, can be that way for some people. I guess other people could be therapy or something else, but yeah. For me, that's that's the best way to, to to deal with those those things. And again, I'm not thinking about them. I'm not. It's not like a therapy session where I'm like talking to myself. I'm like, what? How did you feel about that mm-hmm. time when you were little and you fell off the swing set? It's more instinctual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word, but it is this is could be off base, but is is embodied the right word? Maybe. Maybe because the thing the the thing that resonated for me the most about the way it is for me about what you were just saying is is that the 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 nice thing about zazen is that there's kind of time for everything, you know, yeah, like, like the so 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 all of the stuff that's there will come up in its due course, and and the thing, the thing that I the thing that re- that reduces stress for me when I'm 
practicing zazen really regularly is is all about just sort of the state of my body on the cushion and mm. and the breathing and and allowing the sort of tension to melt out of my body and then the the emotional and mental states follow that and as that's happening the things come up and i might tense up my body in a particular way that's related to the feeling of whatever I'm remembering from mm-hmm. yesterday or whatever it yeah. is. And then as I continue to breathe into that posture and relax into that posture, that tension melts away. And then that emotion kind of resolves in a connected, like, I mean, it's, it's, I wouldn't even say that they're different and related. I'd say that they're identical uh, experiences, the, the sort of resolution of the emotion and the relaxing of the body. So that's how, that's how I understand sort of, the processing that takes place in Zazen uh, as a body, as a body experience. Does that land for you? Yeah, but it it can be very painful though. Sometimes it's extremely difficult to, you know, land in that spot where you're uh, kind of relaxing. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember I was at this endo a while ago and I had thought of something, some traumatic event in my life and I couldn't stop thinking about it. I, I, I tried and I couldn't like calm it. And I, I left early. That was probably like, hmm. it was, you know, an hour and a half meditation. And, um, I probably left like in the last 30 minutes cause I just didn't want to deal with it. And then after that, it actually got worse. I was like emotional that whole day where if I had hmm. just sat for another 30 minutes, I probably would have been okay. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think I think it's okay for for a sit to stir stuff up and be, yeah. and be hard and have you end up end up kind of worse for wear afterwards. But there is sort of that quality of sticking with it that that and and getting through it that can feel really like a huge release at you know when you, when you accomplish that in over the course of one sit. But I don't talk about zazen with other people in in terms that are that are about sort of success and accomplishment and resolution without mentioning that sometimes it also can be unresolved and, and tumultuous and sort of leave you hanging in that way. I think it's really important for people to keep in mind and forgive themselves for if that's what happens. Well, I think this is why meditation is so hard to integrate into a routine because hmm, yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to sit there for one because it, it can be boring um, and your your mind is just going to go everywhere to figure out what it can entertain itself with, uh, even if it's like past trauma. So like, remember this? That was uh-huh. that was something to think about. This, it'll be more exciting than sitting here. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good impression of the voice that, that, that does that kind of stuff. I just imagine it like a really annoying kid from like middle school. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to get my attention um mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah then also just because things come up and and because it's 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 emotional like it that's another reason it's just so hard to to integrate in in a um in a sustainable way mm-hmm. that's a really important point and the the people i went to college with uh, the, the, the people I studied meditation with in college, particularly actually the graduate students and the, the, the doctoral students, the researchers, a lot of them were focused on 
the downsides or like the risks of meditation because they had gone, you know, hard into Vipassana retreats or whatever it was when they were in their early twenties, late teens or early twenties and had really dark periods, like really bad experiences prolonged. Some of them of, of like a truly psychiatric emergency nature, uh, sometimes even needing hospitalization or like, you know, medicine and the, uh, the, the, the thing that, I mean, it was very important to them that they bring it up in a lot of conversations about meditation because they were surrounded by, you know, undergrads who were having this sort of flowering Buddhist practice for the first time and just having, having their college adorable, my first enlightenment experience. And yeah. these people were often very quick to be like, you can't, you cannot relate to your practice that way because it's, because it's inherently destabilizing and that's what it's for. And, and you know, that's, that's really one of the best arguments for monasticism to me is that it's like a safe contained environment to go through the kind of breakdown that like real Zen practice requires and, and doing it in, real life scenarios is, is kind of a paradoxical proposal and a risky one. And, and it worries me sometimes too. Like, am I going to sort of lose all like, like there, there are, there are descriptions of the path that seem pretty consistent that for a lot of people, they go through experiences that I've never gone through of just like complete dissociation from reality. And I, I tend to think of those as, doing it wrong as like messing up, falling off the wagon somehow. Uh, but it seems like it just happens. Well, it could be that it was already there. Right. Well, I would true. say, I would definitely say it was already there. That's what these, what these scientists were saying too. That's what Zazen is. It's just going to what's already there. So yeah, that's well said. If you, it is, it would have come up at some point in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. The, but this meditation can just bring it up a lot quicker mm -hmm. than maybe you're ready for yeah but um yeah you do have to be ready for that it's not um it's not easy to deal with that especially if you feel like you're alone and maybe you do need to talk to someone about it instead of mm -hmm. just sitting through it the whole time mm -hmm. well so how you're going into this kind of uptick in activity and sort of you know worldly stuff uh, how how do you know that it's worth the risk to sort of up the practice that work, you know, in the risk in these kind of terms, like of destabilizing things coming up? I mean, we've talked about benefits of, of relaxing and grounding mm. you, but like there are these risks too. like, what is it about your practice right now, your instincts about your practice that say to you that it's worth it? Because I'm thinking long term. Mm hmm. And uh, I think that typically I do feel like when things are going not, well, I don't want to say going wrong, when things are more stressful, maybe when, when there's more going on is when I tend to gravitate towards a, a practice, mm. a, a more rigorous practice, because I, I guess it's, you know, it's helped me in the past and I don't even think I don't think it'll ever get as bad as it as it did in the past. So I trust myself that like if it is destabilizing that eventually like it'll I'll come out on the other side like even stronger than I was before. Uh, so it's worth the 
it's worth the risk of that happening because it's only temporary. Mm, that's beautiful and strong. And I really honor that. The, the, the way, the thing that you just said about gravitating towards practice when things get crazy feels also like a really positive sign for me because I feel like certainly earlier in my practice and also in this, in the lives of a lot of people I know who aren't as serious about practice as I am, but are, but are, you know, interested or trying or, or are off and on in their various ways. The opposite thing tends to happen where people, people are like, ah, everything is relaxing and wonderful. I think I'll try meditating. That seems to go with relaxing and wonderful. And then as soon as anything gets difficult, the practice is the first thing to go out the window because it feels like some sort of non-essential, you know, like hobby or something. And, and, yeah. and going into it when things get crazy feels like a, a, a much wiser stand. I mean, that's what I did. I don't know if I did it consciously, but that is actually always what I do. The period of intensive practice that I'm in now kicked off, you know, when my wife was pregnant with our second kid and the pandemic was starting. And then before that, the last really big wave of practice I had before that was the summer before my, our first kid was born. And it just happened. Oh, wow. It just happens to me. It's, it's not like I go through a conscious process of like, I, it's time to do this. It's just like the body tells me. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's actually a pretty good technique, uh, technique or um, way to deal with things. Um, most people aren't going to have the instinct to do that, uh, but it doesn't matter because you can cultivate it yourself. And you don't have to have instincts to um, to amp things up when you're feeling bad. But, you know, especially if you're like in a really like deep depression, doing something about it is the last thing that you want to do. Just mm -hmm. and I, I even think that I will have to give therapy. Um, I'll have to get it credit for this one. Uh, that was part of the DBT thing is, is opposite reaction is what they taught us. So if you're if you're feeling like doing something and you feel very strongly about it, it's probably the opposite thing that you should be doing. Mm. <laughs> so. Uh, I mean, that's a simplification, but just to get, just as an example, like if I'm really stressed out, the last thing I want to do is exercise. The last thing I want to do is start a meditation routine. And the last thing I want to do is start, uh, you know, focusing on recipes that are going to make me healthier. But that's the thing that I will do because if I don't keep going, I feel like it's only going to get worse. Oh, uh, it's such a good Zen attitude because you know, what's the point of practicing with the things you already naturally do without resistance? The resistance is where the training happens. It's, it's no different from any other form of exercise, right? Like you don't lift mm -hmm. weights that are so easy to lift that it doesn't, that it doesn't <laughs> like cause you any strain. You know, you, right. you, you find the point of resistance and you push a little bit past it if you can and and that's how you get stronger and it's kind of weird to i mean this is this is verging dangerously on to like military zen territory but like <laughs> that really does feel like the zen approach to practice well don't you think there's like sort of this risk too like where people just like spout out all the benefits of meditation uh but they don't tell you like what could possibly happen and how difficult it is going to be yeah. because i feel like that's cool yeah you want people to know the benefits because ultimately that's why you would be doing it but if you don't tell people uh the other things 
then when it happens to them, they're going to feel like that it's that they're just not good at meditating. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Householders is a production of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Silent Thunder Order. Find us on the web at ASZC.org. Our Sangha depends on your support. You can donate by PayPal to donate at storder.org. Gashaw.